it's easy to think that, you know, the drug dealer, he needs Jesus Christ. The drug addict, he needs Jesus Christ. The alcoholic needs Jesus Christ. The person that's in the poorhouse that's made a wreck of their life and all that. But what about somebody like a tax collector? What about somebody that seems to be doing well off in society? Do they need Jesus? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as the disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. Good morning. My name is Eric Samborski. And I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday here on WITK 1550 AM and 94.7 FM at 9 o'clock on the radio here. And if you've missed the radio program or any of the previous ones, uh, then look for us on your favorite podcast platform by typing in God's Resistance and searching there. You will find that those are uploaded every Sunday at 9 a.m., as well as the podcast being in video form on YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday as well. Um, You're going to find the previous content. There may be some special content that you can find there that's going to help you along on your journey. And you can also find us at godsresistance.com. That's our hub. Look for us on Facebook, Gab, YouTube. And uh, just type in G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. I want you to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. And then you can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. You can also text that number. You will also find us, weather permitting, Sundays at 11 a.m. in the public square in Wilkesbury where we hold a gospel services right out in the open, and uh, we would like to see you there. Uh, let's listen in on today's briefing. So we can understand that somebody needs help when their life's a wreck. I remember a place I was pastoring before I moved here into the, this area, I had ended up being in a hospital, and uh, I had to go there because It was something like the doctor's offices were closed down, so they said you have to go to the ER. So I ended up having to go to the ER, not because I had an emergency, but uh, that's what their arrangements were for that moment. So I went in, I was waiting in one of the ER rooms, and within the space of an hour, if my memory serves me correct, there were two people that came in uh, flatlined from drug overdose, and they were trying to revive them so that they didn't die at that moment. And, you know, we look at situations like that or we hear situations about that where people are dying from drug overdoses. We look at those that have ruined their family life. They've ruined their marriages. They've ruined a ton of different things in life. And we look at it and maybe their health is all messed up. They they kind of look disheveled. They've They've gone through a mess of a life. We can look at somebody like that and say, you know what? They really need God. You know, they need God badly. And I've talked with people before that are a little more well-off, and they've asked me, well, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor, or if, here, if I've talked with people like that, it's I'm, I, I'm out on the streets, I'm preaching, I'm trying to lead people to Christ, and, and they think that it's more perhaps a mission uh, to the unfortunate people of society. 
but they don't consider to think that they themselves may very much need this Christ. And that is what we are going to look at here today. We are looking at when Jesus calls a certain man, Levi or Matthew. Jesus calls this man, but he's not part of the dregs of society like you and I would think of it. This man had a decent amount of money, seemed to have a good paying job, but why was it that there was something lacking in his life? Why is it that he needed Jesus? And that's kind of where we are here. You'll find our reading this morning in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, also Mark chapter 2, 13 through 17, and Luke chapter 5, 27 through 32. These are all synthesized together uh, in a book called The Ministry of Jesus by R.D. Myers, who took all of these together and made it one comprehensive whole, which we're going to be reading here this morning. So, we'll get right to that. It says, After this, he went out again beside the sea. That's Jesus it's talking about. And all the crowd was coming to him, and was, he was teaching them. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a tax collector named Levi, the son of Alphaeus, called Matthew, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And when the Pharisees and their scribes saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they grumbled at his disciples. Why do you and your teacher eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard it, he answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What an account that we read here. Now, we don't know a ton of backstory, perhaps, about this particular one Levi called Matthew, except that we're told he's the son of Alphaeus and he's a tax collector. Uh, we don't know, you know, what kind of thing he had been, you know, learning, I guess, when he was a kid, except to say that in Jewish culture, he would have been uh, going to synagogue, he would have been learning about the things of God and all of that. But the Jews at this particular time were under Roman occupancy there in Jerusalem. So the civil government was run by the Romans, and the Jews despised the Romans. They believed that the Messiah that was coming uh, was a revolutionary Messiah that was going to come in, wipe the Romans out, and that the Jews would in fact be the ones that ruled Jerusalem and the entire world. And so they had a severe hatred towards the Romans, and the Romans were an oppressive uh, government over the Jews in some respect. And they looked at the Romans as a snare. They looked at the Romans as their enemies, as the heathens, as the God-forsaken. They looked at them in those ways, and that the Jews, they were the people of God, which is true when we read that, about that in the Old Testament. But they were missing uh, the real essential point of the Messiah. They were missing the point of uh, why Jesus came, all of that good stuff. So when we think about uh, Matthew and what's going on here, um, that helps us to gain a little bit of a perspective again. Now, Jesus is out again beside the sea, and once again, a crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And it seemed to be just a common thing after Jesus got into his ministry, uh, just a little ways, that people came flocking to him. 
I don't know this, and neither do you, but it wouldn't be a far stretch for us to think that Matthew knew who Jesus was, maybe had seen him in certain places throughout the cities, uh, or the city rather, and had known about him and maybe heard a little bit, and he might be somewhat intrigued about him, uh, at the very least, as anyone was in that society at that time. Who is this person that's gathering so many people to himself uh, to listen to him as he goes around and preaches? And then you look at him and, you know, the common people are following him, so that brings a curiosity in your mind. Also, you look at him and you didn't look like anything special. We've got pictures of Jesus now where he is, you know, some kind of special looking person, you know, um, an aura of light around him and all. But we must remember that the scriptures, first of all, say he's from Nazareth. We know Nazareth wasn't anything special because one of the disciples asked, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You know, like there's nothing going on there. That's just like a no-name place on a map. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth, let alone the Messiah himself? Come on, guys. Um, and even the Pharisees were arguing. It's supposed to come from, well, they said Bethlehem, which he did come from Bethlehem, though living in Nazareth afterwards. Jesus didn't come from a very um, rich background. In fact, his entrance into the world was inside of a dirty, smelly manger or stable. Um, that would have been, you know, animals, animals, feces, so to speak, their food, unclean situation hardly the place a king would be. And there, that was his entrance into the world. And he entered into the world in such a mean and lowly place. His parents also uh, being of quite a poor class of society. This is how he entered in. This is how Jesus um, came to earth. This is the family that he grew up with. These are the people that he grew up with. And so Matthew and others, I'm just coming from Matthew's perspective right now, he may have seen him, and maybe there was something in him that longed, longed to just talk with a man that seemed to have no, I guess, attachments, a man that seemed to be able to just be himself without all of the stigma surrounding certain things, or maybe without all the responsibility of certain finances or money. It was like he wanted to escape, and Jesus perhaps was the way to do so. And so we find Jesus teaching, preaching, going around different places. He passes on from that seaside, and just as he's walking, he saw a tax collector off to his side. Just so happened, that tax collector was Levi, the son of Alphaeus, called Matthew. He was sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. Now, Matthew, sitting at the tax booth, uh, he was employed by the Roman government to collect the, the taxes um, of the people. And Matthew, a Jew, is working for the Roman government and, collect, and collecting taxes from his very own people. So his very own people, the Jews, would have looked at Matthew as a traitor to them. You traitor. How is it that you're going to work for our oppressors? How is it that you're going to betray the God of heaven by working for these filthy, oppressive Romans? And you're going to exact money from us? You're going to take money from us and make your livelihood from these swine? That would have been somewhat of the attitude towards the Roman occupation and towards Matthew working as a tax collector there. But there he is inside of a tax booth. Can you imagine 
I don't know what other disciples may have been near him at this particular time, but can you imagine being one of the other disciples that were with Jesus walking by? Everything's going fine, and then Jesus completely blows their minds by pointing into the tax booth where Matthew, or Levi, was sitting, and then says to him, follow me. And they're probably thinking to themselves, Master, what are you talking about, follow you? Don't you know this guy? He's an enemy of God. He's an enemy of the Jews. He's collecting taxes. He's making his money off all this stuff. What do you mean, follow him? So not only is it, what do you mean, you know, Matthew, you're, you're asking Matthew to follow you, Master, Jesus, you're asking him to follow you. And then if they stop and thought about it for a moment, they're thinking, wait a second, if you're asking him to follow you, then he's going to be one of us. Then we have to deal with him. Now, we've got to be around this guy. I don't know if you've noticed, but when you look at the disciples, they are, there's a vast difference between these men. Their backgrounds and everything is incredible. Um, and yet Jesus pulled people from so many different places in life, so many different stations in life. He pulls them from all of these together, and now they're supposed to work together. This is, this is who Jesus was talking to. This is who he's working with. What a wonderful thought. First of all, that Jesus doesn't just have this cookie cutter of who can fit in and who can follow him, but what a challenge it is to us as people to realize Jesus doesn't have a cookie cutter. He may pull people to himself that make us uncomfortable, and Lord, help us. Lord, give us the Spirit of God to know how to handle all that, to follow after Jesus and let Jesus do his work in people's lives. So he says to Matthew, follow me. Now, we're told At that very moment, he left everything, and he rose up from his seat at the tax collector's booth, and he followed him. Now, Jesus said in another place, (coughs) excuse me, that it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Hard for that to happen. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. That sounds pretty despairing. And yet, here we find this man, Matthew, who is a wealthy man, tax collector employed by the Romans, the moment Jesus calls him, he's up and he's gone. That's why before I was saying there must have been some intrigue with Matthew. There must have been some kind of longing in his heart before. You know, he found the way to make his livelihood and do whatever, and maybe he broke out of the poor house from where his family was, and now he's doing well for himself. But here we find that the moment Jesus called him, he was ready to leave. He was ready to go at that very moment. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So Matthew leaves immediately when Jesus calls. What about you, listener? If Jesus calls you now, maybe you find that you're like Matthew. Maybe you, you've got a good paying job. Maybe you've got a decent house. So far as the world is concerned, you're not doing so bad. 
But maybe you feel the call of God in your soul. Maybe you hear the words of Jesus to yourself, follow me, leave all this, follow me. And you're struggling with it. Maybe you should follow after Matthew's example. In fact, I wouldn't even say maybe, you should. You should follow after Matthew's example. He saw in Jesus greater riches than what he possessed through his job. So Matthew stands up, leaves everything, and follows Jesus. And it's like he goes to show the great gratitude he has for this call that Jesus says, follow me, because follow me, that was the call of a master to his disciples. And Matthew's thinking, now my life's got purpose? Now now I can, you know, I thought I was the outcast of society and the respect that they hated me because I was working for the oppressive Romans and I was a traitor to them. And now the Messiah, the one who we've been hearing about for so long is asking me to follow him, you know, and then he stands up and just goes. He makes then a great feast in his house, takes all the money, gets food, decorations, whatever things need, and makes a, a, a great feast inside of his house and invites Jesus to come there. What, a, what an awesome occurrence. But here we now find Jesus entering into the realm of the untouchable, so far as Jewish culture was concerned. And certainly that would have been the, the um, Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers, the scribes. They all would have looked on this with disgust that he should go inside of this man's house. But you know, Jesus reclined with him at the table in his house, just like he would have amongst his friends. And what does that show you? If we're going to be around uh, people that are sinners, people that are not walking with God, we better not be around them to join in their vile deeds and become vile with them. But we also have to guard against completely distancing ourselves from those that are in sin so as to never be an influence, a blessing, or a ray of light in their life whatsoever. And here we find Jesus comfortable in their presence, comfortable to join them, comfortable to be who he is, the Messiah, to lead and guide them to salvation. And here we find that that's exactly what Jesus did, leading and guiding them to salvation. So he goes to their house, excuse me, and reclines uh, at the table in their house. And behold, it wasn't just Matthew that was there, but we're told many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So there were many other people who followed, uh, I don't know if it was, if it's saying particularly many others that followed Jesus, or it was many others that followed Matthew into the place. I, I've, I've ventured to say that that's what's going on, because it appears to be, as we look through the Gospels, wherever Jesus ended up being, there was a following of people behind, and it didn't seem to really matter whose house they were at. They just kind of showed up, and then they, there they were, uninvited. And uh, that seems to be perhaps a little bit more acceptable in the Jewish culture. Um, so here we find it again. Here's this Jesus, whom no small stir and talk has been created around, and he's inside of Matthew, the tax collector's house. I got to see that. So Matthew's tax collector friends, they come, they're going to come in and have dinner there. And no doubt, Matthew probably was like, you need to see this guy. You need to hear from him. 
So he invites these others to come in and they feel like, you mean he's going to let us come in? I thought that this was impossible. This couldn't happen. Matthew's like, no, he called me to follow him. You come in, you come hear what he says. So now these tax collectors, they get invited in. And you would think these Pharisees and, and scribes and others, the religious elite that were around, they would have thought that they had that, that right to be in a place like that just because of their position. But here, we find publicans and sinners, tax collectors and sinners. They're the ones that are first coming. And Jesus made mention of that at another time. They'll be the first that enter into the kingdom of heaven, even before the religious elite, because their hearts were open, hungry, desirous to hear the truth. So many tax collectors came and sinners. And that word sinners is uh, used many other places inside of the uh, New Testament. Um, I'm talking about more of the, the idea behind the original word, which is that uh, just heathens, just people that are without God in a mess of a life. So that's a, a, big, a large, wide swath of people that do not know God. They followed him there. They followed Matthew. They followed Jesus to Matthew's house. Like, what's going on in here? And there Jesus is reclining with them. No doubt, hearing some of their life story, who they are, um, also Jesus probably talking with them and teaching them and helping them to understand things. Jesus was comfortable to be there with them because he loved them and he wanted to give them that same hope and chance of the gospel that anyone else could have because the gospel is for everyone. And dear listener, I hope you realize that this is for you as you're listening. The gospel is for you. So there he is with them. And they feel comfortable around him where they would not feel comfortable in the synagogue. They wouldn't feel comfortable around the Pharisees because the Pharisees look down their nose at them. And I'm not saying that, you know, we've got to be careful because sometimes people say, well, I can't think of that I'm in any better position off than someone else. So that's nonsense. Uh, the sole fact that you're alive and know, uh, you know, where you are in station in life, you could know, like, I may be in a better off position than this other person. And so that is also spiritually speaking. If you've been saved and been born again, you know that you're better off than somebody that hasn't been saved or born again. But there's a difference between knowing that and looking down your nose at somebody. Looking down your nose at somebody is where you believe you have more worth than the other person, as if they have to come down begging at your feet in order to get whatever it is you have. And that is wrong. And that's what Jesus is against even here. And so Jesus there reclining at the table with these tax collectors, these sinners, eating with them. And when the Pharisees and the scribes saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they grumbled at his disciples. They grumbled. Why do you and your teacher eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, see, they were too holy. They couldn't do that. They couldn't be seen with these people because, you know, they're much better off, spiritually speaking. These people were like the dirt of the world. How could Jesus be around these dirt people? And I'm sorry to say, but that attitude still prevails in our present day. Wish it wasn't, but it does. And so here we find these Pharisees and these scribes, they probably would have thought, you know, Jesus should have come right to us, to our house. We would have brought him in a nice place and we would have shown him the best of care. And, you know, he would have been around those that have the knowledge that is necessary uh, to understand these true things about the Messiah and about his salvation and his deliverance and all those kind of things. You know, he should have come here. This man can't be the Messiah. He's sitting around with these dirtbags. Now, that sounds really harsh, but that's essentially what's going on inside of their hearts. 
they're grumbling. And, you know, we can't, I've heard many people say this before. I remember pastoring somewhere um, and there's been, you know, people thinking that they can't, um, these people are so far gone, you can't help them here. They're doing drugs. or I remember going to some lady's house and uh, showing up there, knocking on the door. She yells from within and says, come in. <clears throat> so I opened the door. I mean, it was kind of odd to me because generally people come to the door and, and uh, let you in their house. But this person was yelling from the inside, let come in. So I go in and there is this lady smoking a bowl of marijuana. The whole place is full of smoke and she gets nervous. Oh, no, pastor. I'd been there a couple times before. Oh, no, pastor. And she's trying to wave the smoke out of there and, and hide what she was doing inside of a little compartment in her couch. And then I said, listen, I didn't come here, you know, to read you the riot act and to go up one side of you and down the other. I came here because I want, you know, I, I want you to come to Christ. And she just came over to me and just started crying on my shoulder and said, please don't stop coming. Please don't stop coming. Please don't stop coming. And I've talked with a, a drunk man one night in front of a bar. He was all jovial and, and joking and everything's going fine. And you would think, oh, he's too drunk. Don't, don't even bother wasting your time with him. However, I shared the gospel with him and got to the place and said, now, uh, are you concerned about where you're going? Because he had just admitted, admitted he was going to hell. Uh, and he's on his way to hell. And I said, are you concerned about that? He said, yeah, I think about that every night. And he sobered up in two seconds. Boom. These are the people that Jesus is looking after, the ones that are lost in sin. The Pharisees thought that they all had it put together, but they didn't, and they grumbled. But when Jesus heard that grumbling inside their heart, he answers them, even though they didn't really ask the question out loud to him, he knew, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. But so here we have Jesus acknowledging that they think they don't need a Messiah. They don't need um, this physician for their souls because everything's fine with them. They're the Pharisees after all. They, they had to work their way up to the position that they're in right now. And now they're clean before God and they obey all the laws. And he's literally just saying, well, that's how you think of yourself. He said, then those who are well don't need a physician, so don't worry about it. Don't come over here and don't be bothered with all this. Just go back and do your own thing. But those who are sick, they do. And he's talking about these ones, the, the tax collectors, the sinners that were at the house there. They needed wholeness. They needed forgiveness. They needed salvation. And he says to those that thought they knew better, the Pharisees, the religious elite, go and learn what this means. And that was like a rabbinical saying, basically, telling them, like, you don't even understand your Bible. So that was a, a terrible insult to them. But he said, go and learn what this means. You, basically, you've read this scripture before, but you don't understand it. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You're, you're trying to just make up this religious program so that you can be right with God and everything fits into the perfect, but I desire that you show mercy to people. I don't care about all your sacrifice. And this was alluding back into an Old Testament passage concerning um, Saul, the king. But he said, I desire mercy, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So dear listener, that's where Jesus is coming to. He's coming to the sinners. He's calling the sinners to repentance. And believers, if you're listening, that means that you have to go where the sinners are, because that's where Jesus is going. Those are the very people that he's calling. So dear listener, maybe you find that you are much akin to Matthew. Maybe you find that you have 
a pretty decent life. At least you have a pretty decent middle class life. Maybe you're a little higher up in there, but your heart's sick and you know you're not ready. You know you're not right. You know you need something more. This isn't all what life is about. Maybe you hear the call of God and you're sitting on the fence and you don't know whether or not you should follow him or not. You should. You should follow him. You should be like Matthew. Don't pass up the opportunity when Jesus is calling you. You know that your sin sick soul is just that, sick, and you need a physician. We'll come to Jesus, the great physician. And to you that are, you know, the untouchable of society, he's coming to you. He's calling you to repentance because he sees that you're sick. And if you see that you're sick, then you can come to Jesus and he'll restore you. But you that think that you have no need, basically sleep on. Sleep on and pray that maybe God will open your heart and your eyes to see your deep need. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782. And then I, uh, or you can um, email me at gods.resistance at gmail.com. I want you to introduce yourself to me. I'd love to get together, have a coffee with you, wherever it's comfortable to meet, so we can talk about spiritual things. I can help you along in your journey to follow after Christ. I want you to tell your friends about our social media accounts, Facebook, Gab, YouTube, uh, like, smash the, the like button, all that good stuff so that you keep in contact and you see what's happening here. Tell your friends about that and then tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday morning. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. <laughs> Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.